0: Hey, welcome back. So today is Fed Day, of course, and so today's episode is, is largely revolving around the Fed and their December meeting and a little bit of my, I guess, interpretation of, of what's been going on as well as just how the markets have interpreted it because, you know, it's all said and done. That is largely what matters is how investors, how traders uh, receive various statements, various decisions, or lack of decisions from the Federal Reserve. So uh, the the kind of headline for this Fed meeting was really a a lack of of action uh, in in terms of cutting rates, raising rates, nothing happened. They kept the rates steady between one and a half and one and a quarter percentage points, which was more or less expected. Now, what was... I think what markets primarily moved on was what the Fed communicated as well as what Jerome Powell communicated in, in the following press conference. And the two big pieces from that are a dot plot as well as uh, uh, Jerome Powell's statements on future Fed action in uh, in U.S. debt markets. So I'll get to that one second, the U.S. debt markets here in a second. But the first one is is the dot plot. Now, the dot plot, for those of you that don't know, refers to Basically, a survey that's done during each—and actually, not each—but but I want to say it's every other, actually, every other Fed meeting, a couple times a year at least. Okay, and this dot plot is a survey of of the voting Fed members and and where they see interest rates at various points in time. Very, you know, if you can think of this like a a a graph where where the the x axis is the time you you have. Um, six months out, year out, two years out, etc., and and they put dots based on where they believe uh, the Fed funds rate will be or should be at that point in time. and And the big headline from this meeting is that that plot basically showed what many people would call capitulation on the Fed's behalf, uh, capitulation in terms of of giving up on raising interest rates. Basically, the Fed is now at this point saying we see very low probability. And this is the ever-optimal, uh, the ever-the-optimist Federal Reserve. Communicating that the earliest that they see the Fed funds rate budging is, is going to be the end of 2020, basically a year from now, right? And, and then, you know, into 2021, 2022, uh, you know, a slight raise in interest rates. Because, again, if, if they're projecting a rise in the Fed funds rate, uh, over those couple of years, they're basically implying that the economy is going to be strong enough to warrant that that type of a uh, uh, move in interest rates and move in, in Fed funds rate. Uh, now, what, what's interesting to me is is we, we have to take this with a grain of salt. I mean, this is the Federal Reserve. What they're going to communicate is, is almost always going to be whatever best communicates um, confidence in the economy, confidence in the financial system. And so even if the Fed knows full well that they are within six months, 12 months of, of cutting rates, another percentage point, or all the way to zero or negative, they're, they're never going to communicate that. So what's telling in this is that they are now communicating very low likelihood of any rate, uh, rate hikes in the next year. And, and what that tells me is that they're... They're so pessimistic that they're not even being optimistic over the next year in terms of rate hikes, um, and 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 I would agree with uh, uh, many other market analysts that, that the Fed is very close to cutting rates another percentage point, another half percentage point, all the way to zero maybe, right? Maybe below zero. That we're just months away from that because if history is is at all a good teacher, when it comes to Federal Reserve and and their Easing their policies as we head into a recession or at the end of a of a uh, growth cycle, if you want to call this a growth cycle, uh, it, what it, what it tells us is that they uh, they tend to, or at times, will try to do preemptive easing or what Jerome Powell uh, earlier this year termed uh, uh, mid-cycle adjustments. That they almost always fail, and that the Fed is ultimately forced to do much more drastic action. And we're just kind of wait, waiting on that drastic action. Um, despite the fact that I'll save it for for a couple minutes later on in this podcast because I don't want to get too caught up here, but but drastic action is already taking place in the repo markets and through quantitative easing. But I'll 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 uh, I'll, I'll say that for a minute here because it's a pretty good segue into our next uh, big headline of of this uh, FOMC meeting, and that was the uh, the press conference with Jerome Powell. He was asked a question about. Um, would the Fed be willing to extend their their quantitative easing? They're not QE, as, as as Jerome Powell terms it, into uh, other assets, into other forms of, of debt. So so as a reminder, right now the Fed is doing their repo market operations, which are in the hundreds of billions of dollars, and and they continue to rise as we get closer to the year end. Uh, and and even later this week and next week and, and closer and closer we get to year end, you're going to see more and more liquidity injected through through basically providing more support for these short-term funding markets. But they're also doing quantitative easing, which is where they're buying at this point $60 billion worth of U.S. government debt a month in, until, at this point until the end of quarter one, 2020. And and again they're calling it not QE, that it's different, but but it essentially is QE. They're they're creating money, printing money, and buying US debt with it. And it's not a short term deal like like these repo uh, operations are. Uh, and so this right now through that QE, what they're buying is bills, basically very short-term US government debt. But basically what Jerome Powell answered to this question is that he basically said, Yeah, we would, if necessary, be willing to move into other types of debt, basically hinting at, I don't know if exact words, but basically hinting at, yeah, this QE very well could take the shape of um, us buying longer-dated bonds, not just these short-dated bills. And that was, I think, the other huge part of this as well, because so many people, including myself, have been expecting uh, QE4, right around the corner. Many of us suspect or or know that, that QE4 has already started in the form of, of not QE, as well as these repo operations. But but we're expecting more drastic, uh, uh, more, more wholehearted support for the markets by the Federal Reserve in the form of full-on QE, uh, which would probably take the form of longer-dated bonds in addition to these shorter-dated bills. And so... Again, before I get into my reaction, more of my reaction in this, uh, how the markets reacted was somewhat predictable. As I said, the Fed capitulated, Capitulated. they, they uh, are, are forecasting a, a weaker monetary policy, an easier monetary policy, heading forward into 2020, um, as well as Jerome Powell raising, uh, at least opened the door for QE, starting with uh, full-on QE, as admitted by the Fed, even by year-end right, Um, I I wouldn't at all be surprised if it did happen by year end. And so what we have is the dollar falling significantly, one of its worst days in in a couple months. Uh, The bond yields fell as well. The whole yield curve um, fell, but but the yield curve did flatten somewhat as well. And of course, silver and gold moved up. Now, I'll I'll take some time to talk about silver and gold since I'm going to go ahead and put them in the title of, of today's episode. Uh, they didn't move a ton. Silver knocked on the door of seventeen dollars at the time I'm recording this. Did not push through it. I think that's going to happen in due time. Maybe even by next week it'll be well above seventeen dollars. But did it didn't push above that today. Uh, gold uh, moved up to a high of around fourteen eighty. Wasn't able to get much higher than that, and 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 made a bit of a move back. You know, by by again by the time I'm recording this uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon. However, the the key levels that I'm looking at particularly would be the key level for gold, and that would be 1483. Between that 1480, 1483 range, uh, I would be looking for gold to close above that number in the next week or two to be a very positive signal heading into year end. Uh, uh, again, it could even happen by the end of the week with with the way things are going, with the with a trend that we've seen in the gold market. With silver, it's a little bit less clear. Obviously, $17 would be great. Um, I'd be looking for seventeen fifty dollars as well, along with above 1500 for gold as, as kind of that next level of resistance. Uh, but I think that's very much possible. And and again, some of this relates back to the Federal Reserve. Now, again, the Fed forecasted today um, a relatively easy monetary policy, which is not at all unexpected what what what's stunning to me about this is the fact that people are, forecast, are are looking at this and saying well look I mean no interest rate cuts for a full year the economy cannot be that bad right um, but but if we look at this through more relativistic terms comparing where we're at today to, to where we've been in the past interest rates are still very low one and a half to one and three quarters rate for the fed funds rate. The Fed is still very much active. They're in the business of QE right now, basically. $60 billion a month, plus these crazy repo operations, which continue to to uh, uh, be reflected in, in larger and larger amounts of, of support, hundreds of billions of dollars of support for these short-term funding markets. You know, if the economy is so... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? uh, hundreds of dollars a month for every single person here in the United States just to keep things afloat, and that's another way of putting it. I think it was McElvaney, uh Weekly commentary that that commented on that a number of weeks ago. If if you look at sixty billion dollars a month for for each person in the United States, that's over a hundred dollars per person, right? And add on to that the essentially the the money printing through other through other through a different name, through these repo operations, and it's even higher, right? If the economy is so great, then that would not be necessary. But I think it's going to become even more obvious that, that something is is up in this economy. It's not just a, a, um, a, uh, a lackluster economy, a, a stagnating economy. I think even by the end of this week or, or heading into next week, we'll see uh, more and more talk from the Federal Reserve, in, in the form of increased uh, amounts that they're going to offer up in these end-of-year repo operations just just to make sure everything goes smoothly, right? Um, we, we have a, a notable analyst if i remember from from city it was zoltan polzer i think that's the name polzer uh i look i'm not always great with all these financial names and I, i'll be honest i don't know all these people even though this guy uh, apparently is is a big deal right i'm sure i've read his stuff in the past and and i've since forgotten forgotten it but he's basically predicting uh, uh, repo apocalypse that's what he's i don't know if he's calling it that but that's what people are calling it that this repo market business is going to blow up between now and the end of the year. It's going to get much, much worse. And and what we can see from that is is that the Fed's going to, as they have been up to this point, um, more than willing to to intervene and and prop up those markets with more and more liquidity injections. There, I think that at this point they're willing to become the repo market when it's all said and done. And and that they very well may also take the form of of QE, institution of of full blown QE according to the Fed and not just according to, to everybody else, which is calling what's what's going on right now already QE. But then on top of that, you know, to add to this this pile of worries that the Fed has and, and should be um doing their very best to mitigate the risks from or be very ready to, to step in or just uh I don't know, throw in the towel here, is, is also what's going on with, with this China trade deal. Let's not forget about that. You know, I I think heading into the end of the year, I don't know if attention is ever going to be uh, moved away from these repo markets at all because of, of what many, many people are predicting. But to some extent, some of this focus is going to be shifted to this trade war with China uh, heading into this weekend. December 15th is the day that the U.S. has uh, decided to to institute more tariffs on Chinese goods, assuming nothing happens between now and then. And if it doesn't, then that's going to be uh, a big deal and, and you're gonna see probably China retaliate and possibly US retaliate back to that. And that's only gonna make things worse as far as the Fed's considered. I'm 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 not gonna be sweating. I'm not gonna be losing any sleep over all of this. But the Fed, um if Jerome Powell uh uh you know shows up for a a, a I don't know, a midday uh a press or a couple of weeks from now because of where things are out with with uh, bags under his eyes because he hasn't been getting much sleep about this. I wouldn't blame him because there's a lot on uh, a lot going on right now in the repo markets, and and what's I think is going to happen in China is only going to make things worse. In fact, I talked earlier this week about how I think it's very possible that what the Fed is doing right now in terms of of QE and in terms of of moving liquidity into the system through repo market operations that that I think that's also linked to what's going on with China that maybe at this point the Fed isn't willing to cut rates as evidenced by their decision not to cut rates today um as Fed uh, as as uh, Trump has has requested many times in the past you know move rates to zero move them to negative the Fed's not there yet but I wouldn't at all be surprised if as i said earlier this week I'd, I'd suggest you, you check it out if Trump basically says look Jay I'm I'm doing this Either way, this escalation with China, uh, and and it's up to you if you want to provide the support necessary for the markets to keep them from seizing up heading into the holiday, which I get it would be a, a negative for, for uh, Trump, but if it's also revolving around these repo markets at the same time, uh, the Fed very well may, may have more to st- more, stand more to lose from that type of a situation, right? Trump very well, I mean, he's been saying for a while, I'm not saying he's right he's been saying for a while that the fed has got to step in they have to ease up on monetary policy they have to start the printing presses and cut rates because that's what everyone else is doing the bank of japan the ecb and he's right on that part that is what everybody else is doing doesn't make it right i mean to to you know take that the classic dad quote or the classic parent quote you know if everybody else is jumping off a bridge just because they're doing it does that mean that you should do it too i mean it's kind of true for the fed right now uh But if things blow up heading into year end in early 2020, Trump very well could stand to gain in this fight with the Fed if he uh, does a good job of shifting blame on the Federal Reserve for not being easy enough with monetary policy. Now, he's not going to be right in saying that. Um, Things blowing up is is a necessary part in any economy. Uh, Certainly, it would be less explosive if these excesses weren't allowed to grow for so long as they have been, enabled by the Fed for for decades, and most notably the last decade. Sure. But uh but he's wrong. I mean the Fed shouldn't be cutting rates right now. They they shouldn't be supporting the repo markets, they shouldn't be, be uh doing quantitative easing. No, in my opinion, I mean the Fed should have a long time ago given up on their support for this market. Of course, it it matters very little what I think or what most uh, you know, Austrian economists uh, think on this topic, but but this isn't the Fed's place uh, to to intervene in these debt markets, to uh, decide the interest rate, all of that. The Fed shouldn't have that power in the first place, right? They're they're in many ways unconstitutional. They are uh, they're they're unelected officials that have an enormous amount of power. It's 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 uh it's tyranny. It's it's a lot of things. Okay. But that's where they're at right now. And, and obviously I'm not going to change uh, uh, the Fed's mind or, or Trump's mind on any of this. But he's not right in saying that they should be cutting. They're, this this thing needs to blow up, right? If, if what Trump wants is is for us to be kicked, you know, the can kicked down the road for another year until past the election, then sure. Um, he's, he's right in saying that that would be what the Fed needs to do. But it doesn't make the ensuing crash then any less painful. In fact, I think it's going to make it much, much more painful. And and look here, I mean, this we've been coming up with excuses for for a decade plus now on on why this can needs to be kicked further down the road. It's about time that we we square up with our responsibilities square up with the repercussions of years and years of easy monetary policy and out of control government spending out of control debt growth at every level of the u.s economy and nearly every global country it's time we square up with the responsibility and repercussions of that it doesn't matter what i think though um we're going to continue headlong into to hyperinflationary oblivion anyways so that's my, uh, my feel-good message for, for midweek here in, in December. Uh, I hope you uh, – the big takeaways from this is, look, the Fed is, is – continu- <laughs> before I wrap this up, the Fed is continuing to, to put a, try and put an optimistic face on this. It's not being reflected in their actions, which are basically massive amounts for, of support for the financial system right now and for the economy, as well as as a couple interest rate cuts already this year. Um, I think that's going to continue. More interest rate cuts, more support for the economy. Silver and gold are going to benefit from it. They already did today somewhat, but we're going to see even larger upside between now and year end, and heading into twenty twenty, even greater upside. Um, and 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 finally, I mean, I think ultimately the uh, this all comes to to a close at some point. It's again, it's a matter of kicking the can down the road. Um, i've I've sort of given up hope on anybody any uh leader any central bank at somehow um holding back on kicking the can on the road and, and letting this fall apart it's it's just not going to happen um so as i said before uh we continue headlong into hyperinflationary uh oblivion and and we'll see how that ends up but but i think many of us already know that it's it's The details aren't as important as the overall picture of where we're heading, and and it's not a pretty place. But, anyways, if you enjoy today's talk, first of all, I ask, uh, first of all, thanks for, for tuning in. That's all I ask of you, honestly. But if you want to go above and beyond, I would appreciate a like. If you haven't already subscribed, I'd appreciate that as well. And before you head out, there's a couple great ways that you can support me. First of all, you can support me on Patreon. And I don't need to say any more about that. I'm sure you guys know what Patreon is. But the other great way that you can support me is through using that affiliate link down below in the description to SD Bullion. It's good for a one ounce round at spot price, which will save you a whole dollar maybe. Not not a huge deal. But what's more important than that is that A, you're buying from a, a pretty great company that is... Uh, owned by stackers, run by stackers, really run with a a silver and gold stacking ideology. But furthermore, you're also helping them on my channel because I mean that's how affiliate marketing works. So those are two great ways Wow, did you hear that? I had a bubble in my throat there. Those are two great ways to help me out uh, as I, I do my best to to inform you guys, to provide you guys with top-notch analysis and, and the truth about what's going on in, in today's financial world as well as the truth about silver and gold. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and God bless.